0: Good morning everybody, let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 3, Psalm 3, I want to begin by reading this Psalm and then we're going to talk about some things about it in relation to our church and the church, Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Your blessing be on your people. Let's ask for God's blessing upon this time in his word. Father, we pray that you will bless, you will empower your word to our hearts this morning. We pray that you will speak your heart to us. Lord, I pray that it will be a word that hits us with grace and with power. We commit this time to your holy work and your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord has put a word on my heart this morning, literally, a word. The word is fight. The word is fight. I believe that it's a word for this church. I believe it is a word for the church in general. That this is an hour. This is a time when the church needs to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit and fight. Now we look around us. And we see a lot of fighting, don't we? We see a lot of fighting. Uh, We live in a combative era. There is contention. There is arguing. There are fights all around us. There is division. There is outrage. We see it in social media, we see it on cable news, we see it with our coworkers. we see it in our families, we see this fighting going on really all around us. I have seen friendships end over differences, political differences, ideological differences, people literally ending friendships over those differences. There is, there is a lot of fire going on and a lot of fighting going on. And the last thing I would encourage Christians to do is add gasoline to that fire. You know, somebody said, if you fight fire with fire, all you end up with in the end are ashes. And it is so true. There is, there is a different spirit, there is a different fight that the believer is to engage in. Because there is a fight that every Christian man, woman, and child is in. You say, I don't want to be in a fight. You're in the fight. Whether you want to be in it, you are in it. It's in you. It's around you. It will It will affect you no matter what you want. But Paul says that fight, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against that post that offended you. It's not against that person who disagrees with you politically. The 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 fight we have is against evil forces in the heavenly realms. Peter says that the devil, our enemy, is roaming to and fro like a lion looking for people he can devour. That's the reality we live in. He is roaming to and fro looking for souls to devour, looking for faith. He can devour. And we see that going on around us as well. We see a lot of people, especially young people, walking away from Christianity. Either hard walking away or drifting away. Just drifting away from Christianity. Their faith is being devoured. We see once strong marriages being attacked. Couples who once had a strong marriage and a strong profession of faith, in some too many cases, their marriages devoured. When a Christian couple I know told their adult daughter that they were getting a divorce... The daughter said to them, you have been my heroes. If your marriage can't make it, what faith, what confidence can I have that my marriage will make it when I get married? Their marriage, at least at that moment, devoured. Her confidence that she can have a marriage that lasts is in danger of being devoured. It is time, it is needed for the church to stand up and fight in the power of the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We need to fight the enemy's plans. We don't need to fight people. We don't need to go online and start adding angry posts, fire with fire. We need to fight the enemy's plans We have a a faith worth fighting for. Amen? Let's try it again. We have a faith worth fighting for. Amen? We do. We do. David was a man of faith. And David was a fighter. He was a fighter. In fact, he launched his calling in God with what? A fight. Where do we first read about David? He is fighting Goliath. And when he destroys Goliath and inspires the armies of Israel to go from retreat and fear to attack, Saul, King Saul, looks at that and he is so impressed that he decides to put him over all the armies where he becomes known as a renowned warrior. The women come running in as they come back from battle and they're singing a song and the song goes like this, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands, and and that bothered Saul. That bothered Saul. David was a warrior, but the fight we are reading about in Psalm 3 is unquestionably the hardest fight of his life. The inscription tells us when David wrote this psalm. It says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. David's son, Absalom, was an ambitious and a charismatic man. And over time, he stole the hearts of Israel and won them over to him, including many of the best leaders, the best fighters, the best advisors who were once loyal to David. He won them over to him. And Absalom then mounted an insurrection against his own father to steal the throne from him and kill David. And so at this point in time, all the momentum, all the the energy, the larger army, some of the best fighters are on Absalom's side. together with the goal of taking over the kingdom of Israel and stealing the throne and killing David. And so at this moment, Absalom is riding into Jerusalem with this huge army behind him and people cheering him in. And David is literally running for his life from Jerusalem with the men who have been loyal to him. And it's a smaller group. And I feel like David in this moment is a picture of the church in this hour. The odds are completely stacked against David. All the smart money is on Absalom that he will be king and David will be dead. The number of enemies who are rising up who are hostile and opposing David, who are speaking death over David, is overwhelming. Verse 1 and 2. Oh Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him, in God. David is overwhelmed in this moment. This is an overwhelming, the odds the, the volume of voices against him of people against him is overwhelming and I think that's where the church is right now that's where a lot of believers are right now The world is advancing. The church is in retreat. The world is advancing. The church is in retreat. Brothers and sisters, as much as I'd love to preach a happy, you know, positive, feel good message, the church is not thriving today, at least not in America. It's not thriving. There are small churches that are struggling. But there are also large churches that are not thriving. They may be big. They may have you know, a, a big budget and a lot of people and beautiful buildings. And, also, and all that's good. Thank God for them. But they're not thriving in kingdom thrive. Because the fact is there is precious little kingdom advancement right now in the sense of people coming to Christ. Barna reports that there has been a 40% decline in church attendance since 2009. 40% decline. The flow is out of the church, not into the church. And those large churches that may be thriving on some levels are not thriving in seeing new people come to Christ. They're thriving in attracting Christians But God has more for the church than that. The gospel, the great commission is to go and make disciples. Here's another indication to us that the church is not thriving today. Again, at least in this country. I don't know other countries. The culture is impacting the church in a big way. The church has very little impact on the culture today. It's very little, if any, impact on the culture today. You read in Acts, they said, the church is turning the world upside down. Today, the world is turning the church upside down. Many are saying of my soul, these voices are diagnosing David's soul and saying there is no salvation for him in God. It is hopeless. It's not just hopeless for his life, it's hopeless for his soul. There is no salvation for him in God. God's not going to save you, David. God is not going to meet you, David. God is not going to rescue you, David. And there's a reason they can say that with a a degree of legitimacy that rings true to David's heart. And that is because they know, and he really knows, that all of this calamity that's going on with Absalom was prophesied by Nathan that it would happen. In other words, David's sin with Bathsheba, his murdering Uriah, and covering all that up, what's going on here is because of all that. It's because of all that that this is happening. This is the consequence of his sin. David brought this uprising on himself. This is his fault. There is no salvation for you, soul. There's no rescue. It's his fault. church we see a lot of young people leaving the church in large numbers a lot of young people and in some degree that's our fault and I hope you know we've experienced that as a local church but I'm not just talking about us as a local church we are the body of Christ we are the same body of Christ we are the same church as the church down the road that's Preaching the gospel. And the church in Corning, the churches in Corning that are preaching the gospel, the churches in Horseheads, in Big Flats, in California, in Idaho, we are the same church. Young people are leaving the church in large numbers, and that is at least in part our fault. Many are disillusioned by what they have seen in the church pastors abusing the flock church members gossiping about against each other they've seen hypocrisy they've seen self righteousness young people are particularly good i think at sniffing phoniness sensing when something's not real and they don't they don't need perfection but they want real And to some degree, perhaps they've not seen that in the church. And so to some degree, perhaps, the reason so many young people and older people are leaving the church isn't just because their hearts are hardened and they're this and they're that, but maybe we as the church need to look at some of this because of, are they are where they are in part because we are where we are. And there might be some here you're in this room or you're watching online that there, there's some important area in your life you want God to move in. You want God to work in. Maybe some relationship but you don't feel you can ask God for help in that area with confidence because you know that in part you're where you're at because of you you it's your fault to some degree the problem is to some degree of your own making it didn't just come at you from outside you are part of why you're where you are you want to believe God will restore your relationship with your son or your daughter your father your mother some other person in your life, you pray that their hearts will be softened, they will come back to Jesus or they will come to Jesus for the first time. But you know that your example hasn't always been a good example. You know you've made mistakes. You know they've seen hypocrisy in your life. And so to some degree, They are where they are, partly because of you. And how can you fight with faith when you know you're partially to blame for where the fight is happening, what the problem is? That's what these many voices are saying to David. There is no hope for you in God. There is no hope for you in God. No rescue. Why should God rescue you? He's doing this. So don't look to God. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Brothers and sisters, David doesn't listen to those voices. He does not listen to those voices. David knows he's messed up. He knows that. He knows the prophecy that calamity would come by. He knows all of that, but he also knows something else. He has confessed his sin to God. He has repented of his sin, and God has washed and cleansed him and forgiven him of his sin. He is not walking around with this blame and this condemnation and this fault mentality. I blew it i am no good i can't even go to god and ask god to do a miracle in this situation because it's partially my fault david's not walking around like that he knows he's done business with god he has brought it to god he has been cleansed by god he has been washed by god god truly forgave him and yes this is a part of consequence but when they say of his soul don't you love how they're talking to his soul when they they're not just talking to his ears or his mind they are talking to the depth of his soul and they are saying soul there is no hope there is no salvation for you and god david knows that's not true that is not true they're saying god isn't with you and david knows to the depth of his soul god is with And I want to encourage us all, folks. We have all messed up, amen. We have all blown it. We've all been hypocrites. I am a hypocrite. My name is Alan. Welcome, Alan. I mean, what we if you are perfect, you certainly shouldn't be in this church. We have all messed up. We have all blown it. And I'm not just talking about little, little ways. We have messed up. And our mess up has affected other people. It has affected our witness. It has affected our parenting or our marriages or other relationships. It has. But when we confess that sin to God, when we bring it into the light and we're honest about it, and repent of it, turning from it. God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of that sin. He washes us, He cleanses us so that we're not walking around with that stain and that guilt and that condemnation. We are free. So confess your sin honestly to God. That's what bringing it into the light means. If you are living with sin that's in darkness, you're hiding it from God, you're hiding it, From people, well, you have business to do. God's not going to just say, well, I'm just going to bless. You have business to do for your own soul's sake. Bring it to God. Confess it. Repent of it. Ask and receive his cleansing and his forgiveness. But then don't look backward all the time. Move forward in what God has. Pray with boldness, church. Pray with boldness. Believe God with boldness. Fight with boldness. Boldness. David is running for his life. Things are bleak. And I'm, I'm going to repeat, I see the church at this point in time in a similar way. And, and you can think I'm crazy and you can think I'm missing it. But I see the church in this country, at least, in this similar way that it seems like the odds are overwhelmingly against us. It feels, it feels like the devil is winning. When we look at the currents and the and the the way things are moving at least some maybe most of the battles going on our voice seems so weak the bible if you talk to someone who's not a believer the bible can feel so Don't stone me. Powerless. People don't think of the church as a place to go when their lives are breaking against the rocks. And they don't think of the Bible as a resource to receive wisdom from God. Just the opposite. Many people look at the Bible not only as outdated, but as intolerant and bigoted and racist and misogynistic and many Christians I think are feeling intimidated by the sense of overwhelming odds against us so what we do we we stay quiet We go and retreat. I can confess to you as a pastor, I felt that pressure. I have felt that pressure. There are cultural issues we don't even want to talk about. I'm not talking about political. We're never going to, as long as I'm a pastor, we're never going to turn the pulpit into a pol- political platform. But there are issues that are affecting people's lives on a massive scale. And to a great degree, the church is either afraid to speak the biblical truth, those things, or you've got those that are fighting fire with fire, whose voices are angry, obnoxious, intolerant, And doing may be more harm than good. David is running for his life. And not just David. His whole army is running with him. Those who are still loyal to David. David isn't alone. This fight isn't just David's fight alone. His This psalm isn't just about David's psalm. I mean, it is his heart, but... This is, there are people alongside of him. There are, what's been stolen or what is in process of being stolen by Absalom is his, is his kingdom, it's his men, it's his families, it's, it's the people of God. It's the very health and well-being of the kingdom that is at stake. And quite honestly, at this point, everything looks lost. Everything looks lost. I'm telling you, you could not overstate how this is, it's like, it's done, put a fork in it, it's done. Absalom is rising, David is fleeing. If you're a betting person, there's no question smart money is on Absalom being king and David being dead in a very, very short amount of time. Except, except, David and his men are running in order to regroup and fight another day. Running isn't there. This is our life for the rest of our lives. They are putting space between them and their enemy so they can regroup Regather and trust God to do the work that is necessary to turn this loss into a victory. The smart money is against them unless you believe in the power and faithfulness of God. Then you might want to bet on David and his army. Four things that I see David do that I believe are just as relevant today because it's time for the church to stop running and fight. David fought with faith and over the next few weeks we're going to look at four ways his faith fought against the attack of the enemy. First of all, and we're not going to cover these this morning, but just to look at them, declare with boldness the truth of God And his word before you can see the truth of his word. We see that in verse 3. Secondly, cry aloud to God. Verse 4, cry aloud to God. Third, fight against evil by doing good in the power of God. Verse 6 and 7, we'll explain how I get that from those verses. And fourth, remember our salvation Our salvation belongs to God and he loves and he is committed to his people. He is committed and he loves his people and he has saved us. And here's why I personally believe this word is timely. Maybe it's just for me. But there are things that have converged in my heart and brought to my attention that have Raise this up in my heart. I have seen people I care about. I have seen too many people I care about. Walk away from Jesus. Walk away from their faith in Christ. And it breaks my heart. And that is no small thing. Marriages. As I mentioned that you know you would have thought were lifelong marriages strong in the Lord breaking apart falling apart the currents the cultural shift all seem to be moving not only non-christians away from Christ because I think the currents of the culture have moved non-christians further away at least in the natural from believing in the word from looking to the church for help from believing in Christ or even being, like, open to a hostility. But I'm also seeing those who once had a strong profession of faith in Christ move away from that profession of faith. And some are outright walking away from Christ And others are just gradually moving away from biblical truth in certain areas, which moves their hearts away from Christ. And others are getting complacent and half-hearted in their relationship with God, in their Christian walk. And I don't say that self-righteously, because I'm the most guilty of us all about that. I have struggled with complacency, with half-heartedness. I've tried to hold on to God's word with all my heart, but I know I've let my heart grow complacent towards Jesus in different ways, in different areas. And I think that needs to end. And I think it's time for us to fight. Someone might say, we just need to love. Yeah, but love fights. Love fights for those we love. Someone said, we just need to have faith. Faith fights. David was a man of faith. He was a man who fought. We are in a spiritual fight. And here's where what I believe, what I've come to believe As I've tried as a pastor to responsibly navigate the different things. And I think we need to walk in love. I think we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a deep sense of love and brokenness for people. I don't believe we're going to win this fight by being silent. I don't think we're going to win this fight by being so nice we never step on toes or say anything that offends. When the truth is silenced, lies will flourish. And we won't win this fight by being silent. We need to speak with love, we need to speak biblically, we need to speak carefully, but we do need to speak. As we close this morning, I just want to encourage you, and this is... You know, if I'm stepping on toes, I'm stepping on, believe me, I've stepped on my own toes in prayer. But if you've grown half-hearted and you've grown complacent in your walk with the Lord, I want to urge you, don't stay there. It's not healthy for the soul. Don't don't think that half-hearted is better than no heart at all. Because it's not. Jesus, in fact, warned the church in Laodicea, he said that he would prefer they be hot or cold, but lukewarm made him want to vomit. Those are strong words, but they're Jesus' words. They're not my words. I would you rather be hot or cold. I want to encourage us as parents that God has called us to fight for our children, not just for their education, not just for their material provision, but more importantly for their souls. I want to encourage you, teach them God's Word. You don't have to be a Bible scholar, but make sure that God's Word is a part of your life with your kids. Pray with them. Pray for them. There are so many cultural currents pressing against our children right now. They need our prayers, and they need the Word of God to be invested in their lives. They need us to care for their souls. I'm going to say, you know, this, this is always uncomfortable for me, but I want to encourage you, be committed to attending church. Be committed to attending church. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for your commitment. The church is the Lord's body. There's no other plan apart from the church, the community of faith. Our kids need to see our wholehearted commitment to Jesus and our commitment to the local church. If this isn't the church, then wherever God has called you to be, but be committed there. Fight with them. Fight with us. God has called us together. David's army, David can't do this alone. If David were alone, he wouldn't be able to, but he's got his community with him, and they are going to turn, and they are going to fight and they are going to win because God is fighting for them but church we we want our kids to see a passion for Jesus that they can catch from us we can't save our children we can't if we could but we can fight for them. We can fight for them. And that's what love does. There's danger. And it's not just our children, but fighting. If we love our spouse, if we love our sister, if we love our brother, if we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, if we love our neighbor, we love our coworker, if we love a stranger, we will fight for them. And I realize these fights aren't all out there. There's a lot of fights inside of us. Amen? I, I guarantee you, you've come in with a fight going on. It could be a heart fight because there's a relationship that's broken. It could be a fight with with sin that's just seems like it's got a hold of your heart and your life. Um, whether it be depression or... And I'm not saying depression's not a sin. But it's a fight. Amen? Discouragement is a fight. Some people fight something every day when they wake up for another it might be lust, and you're fighting it or maybe you're not fighting it but it's fighting you it could be worldliness it could be bitterness you're bitter and it's a fight to overcome that bitterness it could be grief there's so many fights that go on right in here in our hearts and in our minds And what I want to say is that, first of all, God wants to help us get victory in those fights. But he never means for us to fight those fights all alone, isolated. We need community. We need community to fight those fights. But I also want to turn that table a little bit. Because we tend, I tend, to think in terms of me and my fight. But remember, there are other people in your circle, in your community, who also need you to fight for them. They need me to fight for them. I need you to fight for me. God is our hope, but God has called us together to fight that fight together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. Hold on to your hope. Do not let it go no matter what situation you see or what's going on around you. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If Grace Community Church is your church, you need us and we need you. We need each other. Amen? If you're at home, amen? We need each other. There is no place in the scripture where we're meant to just kind of do it alone. We cannot do it alone. We can't do it alone. I need you. My family needs you. We need each other to stir up and provoke love and good works. And all the more, he says, not all the less, all the more as we see the day approaching. I'm almost done. I'm almost done, but there are two simultaneous things going on today, and this is, um, I know this is, this is a serious message, but don't worry, next Sunday might be even more serious. (laughs) There are two serious things happening simultaneously in the world right now, at least from my perspective, and you can disagree and let me know, I'd appreciate hearing if you disagree on any of this, um. The first is, mass, I think we're on the brink of massive upheaval. I am not like a, you know, a, um, an alarmist, I don't like alarmism. But I do believe we are heading towards the potential for massive upheaval. Maybe not in the next year, maybe not in the next five years, but I think we're heading towards massive upheaval. We are living on a global tinderbox. Your and my life here in Painted Post and Corning might feel very secure and everything's there, but we live on a tinderbox. And what I want to say with all my heart is there has never been a worse time to move away from a strong biblical faith. There has never been a time that where you want that faith to anchor your soul, your family, your heart in Christ There has never been a worse time to move away from Christ. But at the same time, the enemy has, who is a devouring lion, that's what his goal is. He doesn't care what you believe in terms of whatever politics or policies or financial wisdom. He just wants to devour your faith in Christ. He wants to move you away from Christ. That's his goal. Because if he does that, he has devoured you. And that he has developed powerful currents today that are moving people away from a strong biblical faith. And that is not an accident. That's a strategy. That is an absolute strategy. Move the sheep as far from the flock. Move them away from the shepherd. Not just for the goal of moving them away from the shepherd, but so that they can devour So here's, here's my appeal. If Grace Community Church is your church, we need you to fight with us. God's called us to fight for souls. If we love them, we will fight for them. We're going to talk about what that looks like more next week. If this isn't your church, maybe you're visiting us, maybe you're online, then whatever church God's called you to, fight with them. And I don't mean, I, I do not mean anger and yelling and all that stuff. You know how you fight the the fire of hatred with the love of God? You know how Jesus fought the brokenness in this world with a compassion that moved forward to heal? That's the kind of fighting I'm talking about. So don't get stirred up and write some angry post. Please, please. If you do, don't attribute it to me or this message. But in this, I want to encourage you. Community is not optional. Next week, we're going to learn from David, a man whose faith fought and fought well. Four ways we can fight for God's purposes in the power of God. This morning, let's pray. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I shared with you that It was actually a little painful sharing it, that that I've wrestled with complacency. By the grace of God, I love God's word. And I think I've wanted to remain faithful to preach, but I know in my heart that my enthusiasm for Jesus over the years, and particularly the COVID years, got sapped. And maybe you're in that place as well. I get it. God has something better for us. God has something way better than that. Jesus is better than everything half-heartedness is not a joyful place to be. Fighting isn't half-hearted. It's got to be whole-hearted. And for us as believers, it's got to begin by calling upon God with fresh passion and a fresh repentance and a fresh desire to see God do what he only can do. But then we've got to do what he's called us to do. David is going to turn around. He's going to fight and his men are going to fight. And there's a lot of nuance in this and a lot of layers. But the bottom line is they are going to fight and they're going to fight hard. But God is going to fight for them. And we're going to see David's confidence in that in the following verses. I just, I just call upon you to stir a fresh passion and to stir that in your heart and then try to be that stirring in the person next to you's heart. That we may stir and provoke each other to love and good works. We need God By God's ordained will. We need each other. Father we come to you this morning. And we're asking you. To fight. On our behalf. We declare with all our hearts. That it is not by might. It is not by power. But it is by my spirit says the Lord. We declare with all our hearts that you have won the battle, that Jesus Christ won the victory for the entire war at the cross. But there are battles going on around us, and there are battles going on inside of us. And, Father, we pray for a fresh faith, a fresh boldness, a fresh passion, a fresh desire to fight that fight for ourselves and for one another, Lord, to encourage one another. And, Lord, to fight that fight for those who don't know Jesus Christ. Lord, if we love the lost, we will fight for them. We will pray for them. We will share Jesus with them in as loving and patient and bridge-building way as we possibly can. But we will not be silent. We will not say, I'm going to shut my mouth so I don't offend them. Because that will never win the fight, Lord. And there are so many lies that are just people are being gripped by. We need to speak your truth, Lord, with love, but with boldness. Lord, help us to pray out loud, cry aloud for your move and your power. And I pray for anyone, Lord, here or listening, watching, that you, God, would meet them with a fresh sense of vision and a fresh sense of faith and a fresh sense of fight. That we might fight together and if there's anyone Lord who doesn't know Jesus Christ That you would draw them to the Savior Who laid down his life for them The Lord you would draw their hearts with tender cords of love If that's you if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior I just want to encourage you to come to him There is no other ark on the waters There is no other safe place in all the universe. There is no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved. There is no other refuge from the evil and the storms of life. There is none other but Christ, but there is Christ, and he is more than enough. And I just urge you, if you've never come to faith in Christ, to come to him this morning, to not put it off, to believe in him and put all your faith in him, and you will never be ashamed. You will never be ashamed. Sorry for that. Jesus, come into my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your saving power. I need you in my life. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. And I want you to give me fresh freedom and eternal life. Amen. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this time. Pray that you continue to stir conviction in our hearts and stir faith in our hearts and stir fight in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Amen.